Welcome to the Inshotech Business Series Podcast. I am Fulumi. And I am Gamola. And together, we host the most exciting podcast on insurance and insurtech-related topics in Africa. Stay tuned. Thank you very much for coming on our podcast. Um, we're really excited about this and um, we're so grateful to have you um, join us on our podcast, Patrick. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with the two of you. It's been great interacting with you for a few years and now we get to actually meet virtually and talk about our favorite topic, insurance yeah. and innovation. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's one good thing about um, the world of technology and, you know, technological and advancement. Um, so before we delve into the core discussion today, especially about, you know, insurance, insurance tech and um, the general ecosystem, um, we would like to get to know you. So um, who is Patrick Kelly? And- oh, I, I'm a, a person who's had many jobs and worn many hats over the years. The last six years, uh, while I've been working with uh, an engineering firm uh, named H2M Architects and Engineers as an insurance and building consultant, I've also uh, built built my alter ego that I call the insurance elephant. And how that came up just very briefly is once I left my work at uh, a large U.S. insurance carrier as a property insurance person, I began to interact with people and and found this magical topic of insure tech. And the more I asked around about what it was, the more I found out it, to each person it was something different. So it kind of analogized with a, a, a an ancient fable called the six blind men and the elephant. And of course, you have six blind men. Depending on where they touch the elephant, they describe it differently. The person who grabs the tail says it's a rope and the person who grabs the leg says it's a tree. So long story short, the insurance elephant concept was born. And that's kind of been my my direction over the last six years. A year ago, a colleague of mine, of mine uh, Carlos uh, Miguel Vidal out of uh, Peru, we began uh, marketing the concept as an incubator slash mentorship of the insurance elephant. So, And in the interim, I got to meet an awful lot of nice folks like yourselves uh, and became very focused on uh, building insurance awareness and availability in otherwise underserved markets like Africa, for example, South Asia, Latin America, et cetera, where you know more than three billion persons are are not well exposed to insurance, which is a vital part of the modern economy. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of how it led up to to uh, the three of us speaking today, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Uh, from your work uh, within this space uh, across the world, speaking with a lot of innovators, if if you are asked. And I'm asking now, all right, uh, what the future of insurance is or would be, uh, what would you say? Well, it, it, I, I say you have to look at it in two aspects. One is the, the mature insurance world. Uh, you could call it the Western market. And then the other is the emerging world. Uh, Western market is often what people focus on because it, insurance is a well-known concept. and you don't have to tell people what insurance is. Whereas if you contrast it with markets, again, like the underserved or, or less exposed markets, people, the day-to-day people just don't have a good grasp of what insurance is. And not because they don't want to, it's because it's just not part of how life goes on. 
you have a salary person in India, or you have a, a tuk-tuk driver, or you have someone who runs a, a mango stand. Everybody's used to just working day to day. So the future of insurance, if the insurance world is smart, is exposing these large populations to the wonder that is insurance, uh, even if it's in tiny little pieces, micro policies and such, because insurance is foundation of economic opportunity. So I see the future of insurance looking at not necessarily from a Western aspect of education of what insurance is. And I'm not saying sit down and learn what a policy is. I'm saying, here's what the concept is. If you have a problem and you have insurance, that means you're not going to disrupt your family for a generation by having to pay for it out of your own pocket. You've got, you've got a, you know, a mechanism in place that helps share the cost of risk. So I see the future of insurance uh, as being uh, exposing new markets to the products because as time goes along and people have these magical devices in their pockets called smart devices, phones, whatever, and they can access insurance through, say, a WhatsApp chatbot like they do in with Motorsure in Kenya or uh, getting insurance on an app by the minute like PayU is doing. Or building a new model in Angola, like a, a business is doing. I see the future of insurance as being clever, energetic, and forward-thinking businesses making the product available, whether it's embedded, whether it's micro-policies, whether it's just health insurance, whether it's just third-party insurance. There are a wealth of innovative startups in all of these markets. If you look at Africa and I, and I'm, I'm what they say, preaching to the, to, to the converted here on this call, you two are aware of the, <laughs> the vibrant uh, startup in, uh, in environment in Africa. And I'll tell you, mm. Western eyes don't realize it. Okay. Because Africa's exotic to someone sitting in the United States, but when you're living in it, you realize that what we're doing to build the insurance uh, awareness is remarkable. It's, it's a, a generational, wonderful change. And that's where I see the, the future of insurance within emerging markets is people saying, wow, for a small amount of money, I'm going to have protection for my vehicle. So as a ride-sharing driver, I don't have to. Uh, send my kids off to family members to live because I've had to sell everything to recover or I don't have a way to, to do my business. So I know it sounds kind of optimistic, but I see this the future of insurance as being the future of economic opportunity in these markets. Yes, artificial intelligence comes in, digitization comes in, but it's, it's a teaching the concept and building trust that these things are great uh, within these economies. I, I see that as the most important future of insurance. Um, while we are seeing, you know, a bit of digital disruptions, um, I mean, again, this is like the world of AI. 
and you know with the recent development um, coming from ChatGPT. For the future of insurance, do you think that these um, technology technology disruptions would sort of impact the way people perceive, react, and you know accept insurance? Um, so, so we're talking from the point of you know the consumer perception about insurance and in terms of acceptability of insurance as a whole, but from the perspective of you know technology and how are we able to then you know uh, merge that together? Yeah, I'd like to answer that in two parts as well, Fumi. Uh, if if you walk into the marketplace uh, across the bridge of Victoria Island and, and you say, I've got the best app ever for you to purchase insurance, uh, shopkeeper, they're going to say, well, what, what's that to me? You know, and, and then once you can educate them what insurance is and you go to the most commonly used app that people trust because they, they communicate and they maybe pay bills or whatever through WhatsApp. And you say, look, just access this because the, the, the way insurance is sold in emerging markets is feet on the ground. You, you, we all know that face to face. But if, if someone can, through a WhatsApp chat bot, access generative AI responses that in the vernacular in which they are accustomed, help them understand how to acquire a product, how to make a claim on the product, answer questions about a claim or uh, access to features. I think generative AI can be uh, a wonderful adaptive tool because we don't know how crazy it's going to evolve. But if you, if you take it right now and you don't force the uh, chat bot to communicate only in English or only in French or only in Swahili, but it's in, it's in a vernacular, people begin to trust it like a family member. It's crazy because the chat GPT in its many iterations begins to talk to you like how you interact with it, right? So if you answer a question a certain way, it's going to respond in a certain way. So I, I think clever insurers or clever fintechs will harness that capability and not try to force a certain way upon people, but let the AI evolve to uh, the consumers that are interacting with it. So in an insurance uh, environment, if you have a customer that's not familiar with insurance so much, but they ask questions and the, the uh, generative AI is responding in a manner that's not too technical or too high in its words, then people will begin to trust that it's a good information source. And let's let's not have chat GPT or generative AI being the being what we're selling. Let's have it be the tool that helps us sell or provide insurance. And that would be a big a big differentiation because you know we all like clever, shiny new things. But if you're an insurer, you're you're not a person selling AI you're a person selling insurance. So use AI as just a tool, no differently than a, a carpenter would use a hammer to facilitate uh, product penetration and product understanding. Mm, yeah, yeah, interesting things that you said. And one of the things that 
we have seen um in the market especially looking at um the african market or markets where penetration are lower than in the west um there's that there's not enough localization of this thing called insurance right whether it's product or uh the customer customer centricity right um and yes just like you mentioned um ai can definitely help on that journey right uh, one sentiment that i have is um insurtech for example can be a a good vehicle on that journey as well in terms of working with insurers um what what are your thoughts uh, you know around um building a product for africa right uh, because again today you have motor insurance products that is the same insurance uh, motor insurance product that you have in the uk uh, you know that is being sold here however the markets are different customers are different right um what are your thoughts around you know building for africa but then also leveraging uh, this kind of innovative partnerships like working with fintechs uh insurtechs to create those products or even get those products to the market even to um segments of the cost of of, of the population that were not previously served Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful question. And, and it, I, I say it gets to the root of getting insurance uh, exposure and penetration into markets like Africa. And of course, not not all of Africa acts the same way. And we don't have to say that, but I will. But uh, you you take a starving man and you put him in front of a buffet table. And he's going to eat until he gets sick. Right. And, and, that, and that's somewhat what we're looking at in in Africa. You, you've got 97 percent of the population that not only doesn't have insurance, but doesn't understand insurance. And I don't again, I don't mean that in a hard way, but that's, you know, everybody's uh, self-sufficient and pulls himself up. So if you if you take a general insurance product from the West and you say, OK, we're going to sell you a a motor insurance policy and it's got comprehensive and it's got liability. It's got all these things. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, 170,000 Naira pay, pay me now. And people are going to say ah, that that's all well and good, but I can't pay you 170,000 Naira. Come on. That that's, yeah. that's, that's crazy talk. So yeah. it, it, and it's not because people don't want to help themselves. It's just, you can't necessarily pay by the year. So, so how do we get past that? Uh, you take an example like PayU where an app has been developed and people can pay by the minute. They click an app and they can start insurance. So they're fitting it into their, they earn day to day. They can pay day to day. Their needs change day to day. So why should their insurance not change with what they need? All right. So if, if you're not 
driving a vehicle for two weeks out of the month, why can't you choose to not have comprehensive insurance on the vehicle because it's just sitting there? So the, the products have to be able to react to uh, the, the customer's lives, right? It, it's it's got to be, the control has to be more in the hands of the person buying the insurance as opposed to, as you mentioned, you get a, a product that's built in, in Europe where it comes in, it's a policy form and plunk, there it is. You get all these things. Well, people don't need all those things. They need what they need. So can can you take the buffet thought and say, okay, go choose what little bits you need today and pay what you need today. And as people get confidence in that system work, then you can begin to build uh, or suggest to people what else they, they could be acquiring, you know, protection for their, their children's uh, uh, school things or, uh, you know, death benefits or for the, the millions of small entrepreneurs that are selling a small amount of business interruption insurance. If there's a heavy rainstorm and their, uh, their product table gets washed away and you can get a settlement of, you know, 10,000, 15,000 Naira immediately uh, in Lego. So a recognition, and this is hard for insurance companies, a recognition that insurance is uh, a personal need that must be customized. And that can be done with today's technology. It, it's very simple. You can get on a bus in Nairobi, take a picture of the license plate of the bus through an app and say, I need three hours worth of third-party insurance in case the bus gets in an accident and I get injured. I have some protection. That technology exists. People can choose you know, maybe it's 50 shillings, you know, but people can choose when they need to be covered and to what extent. That's what I think we need it within these markets is a recognition that customization is critical and will allow people to slowly enter into the insurance world. And then as things get trust is built, then you can move on to other things. So uh, hopefully, uh, Demola, that, that helps out. I, I think customization and a recognition of what the customers need in their daily lives and how to go about getting it to them. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, with the customization, um, I've always um, wanted to see how this would play, especially looking at the principle of insurance. So again, insurance is, you know, largely um, driven by a pool of funds, right? Where people are able to, I mean, people with similar risk, are able to then put in, you know, um, mm -hmm. premium now um, in that fund. And then, you know, um, wherever there is a risk or, you know, a disaster or some form of crisis, you then pick up like the claims from that pool of funds and then, you know, um, pay out those claims to, you know, sort of help whoever at that point in time is going through um, that, you know, crisis. Right. So um, how would this work in terms of customization? Um, looking at the fact that, Again, um, insurance was some sort of, you know, um, truth. I like to call it like a truth system um, that then became, you know, um, um, structured and, you know, um, over time we're able to build around that, you know, using terminologies like premiums and, and claims at the end of the day. So 
if we're beginning to have like pockets of you know specified or specific or customizable products um, that are not necessarily um, um, similar to one another, how do we then manage like the um, key foundation of you know insurance in terms of pooling? Yeah, another really, really to the core uh, question, Falumi. Now, what I mean by customization is can't have an infinite number of potential covers for people, but you can customize how they access it and for how much and for how long. So if you have, say, for example, the third party cover on a, for bus riders, uh, that there is some uniformity there and the actuaries would have to calculate out, you know, what's the, the, the break even amount of people using the product, uh, you know, to, to be able to build that law of large numbers uh, basis for insurance, because your point is so well taken that you need a large pool, not everybody who's having a claim the same day. But in, in my opinion, that is doable. Now, it would be, of course, helpful if the capacity for selling these products early on has backing of, for example, reinsurance companies that say, this is a worthwhile venture, or perhaps even some backing from uh, government entities where the, the government says, this is a worthwhile venture, and we need to build, build it. Because the first day you sell one policy, and if the one policy has a claim, well, you know you're not making money. But you, you have to build the concept, allow people to customize it based on when they need it, how they need it, and for how much. And then you, based on that, you, you build a pricing scheme, just like any other insurance product. And it has to be clever. But again, getting to my point, the customization is not necessarily in what the product is, but how people are accessing it, what their entry points are, and how they go about that. And uh, it's, it's my, well, another piece, so you know. And you get partners in having these uh, schemes like the bus companies. Look, we've got this available for you. It's accessible through our website. When you buy a ticket, you can choose to get this or we can embed the product in our price. You know, it, it's the, the whole ecosystem benefits from the building of these types of products and exposures. Everybody can earn a little money from it and the, the participants all get that uh, kind of cover. So it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a game changer. And what it is, it's an admission that selling insurance like you do in the West is not necessarily what we need in Africa or South Asia or Latin America. The economies are different. The people's needs are different. And, and they deserve a different type of approach. Mm, valid points, right? And another sentiment that I have um, around players within the insurance uh, value chain is I think in these parts, we underestimate the role that reinsurers play across the world. You see players like, you know, Hanover, Swiss Re, they're playing major roles in facilitating innovation within the insurance industry. Again, because I think that reinsurers, they, they kind of like dictate the tone. <laughs> of uh, insurance of the insurance industry alongside the regulators what can we learn from the global um, reinsurance players right 
that that can help us to move in terms of innovation yeah that again that's boy that's a fundamental uh a fundamental concept and, and question so if you look at swiss re for example globally it it's been more than 10 years that swiss re has been build, building uh you know parametric products uh climate risk products things that are broad scope government sponsored etc but reinsurance companies for regular business are always subject to how well the primary insurance companies do their business right so if if there's a primary insurer that handles their property claims extremely well then the exposure to the reinsurance company is going to be reliable uh in how the business does its work it's going to be prompt uh which means their their money is is moved through quickly and the experience becomes easier for the reinsurer to price going forward reinsurers are you know they're the kind of the tail of the dog the dog gets sick you know the the tail has to pay up so it it's smart moves by reinsurance companies to help the primary insurers become better insurers and of course if you can build how much business is being sold through the primary insurers through encouraging insurtechs uh providing resources and such then the reinsurers get a better book of business and a growing book of business so for an emerging market reinsurers are smart to support the efforts of uh insurtechs plus reinsurers are beginning to migrate towards becoming I don't want to say primary insurers but more uh having more impetus in how products are brought to market because reinsurers most often have close relationships with the large global brokers and you know one hand kind of washes the other on how they're yeah. building business so uh yeah. reinsurers encouraging insurtechs and startups they're they're kind of uh making sure that the the, the companies with whom they do business are doing better business and and having more mm. innovation available to them that's at least my humble opinion uh, demola <laughs> yeah uh, i mean yeah every player within the ecosystem needs to play a lot more within the innovation conversation right even insurers right um, there's a space for them to also put some masking in the game in terms of oh, how can we even fund Uh, some of this innovation uh not because we want to make money from it yes you want to make money but that's not the primary aim but we want to learn want to improve right and i mean that leads me to my next question around um facilitating innovation you know within the insurance space on the african continent right when you compare that to the fintech space like payment uh banking even property tech um it's not much activity right um i have postulated in the past that perhaps maybe yes limited information about what exactly insurance is right but i know that you do a lot of work in terms of incubating uh, innovation and incubating startups why do you think that there's not much activities especially within this emerging markets like you have I mentioned all through our conversations uh even though i mean like we all see there is opportunity yeah that that's one of the most challenging 
points uh, for anyone in the uh, insure tech or fintech world in in these emerging markets. But if you take payment systems 10 years ago, uh, the, the trust in banking systems, I don't want to say the trust, the, the penetration of banking in many emerging markets, Africa included, was, was low. So if, if you take a payment system like M-Pesa, for example, and it becomes available to people to use in a way that they can access it easily, like they did. And then all of a sudden, M-Pesa becomes a big way that uh, transactions are done. Same thing for WhatsApp. So let's look at insurance. Uh, the challenge for growing insurance startups in Africa are, number one, you've got to educate your customer of what the product is that you're selling. All right. And you've got a lot of startups most of whom are not billionaires. In fact, I could say none of them are. They've got great ideas. They're, they're uh, uh, clever in many ways, uh, young persons coming out of school, technology-driven, uh, or have they've experienced in their personal lives uh, situations where insurance would have been worthwhile. So you've got a, a wonderfully energetic group uh, pushing to get these concepts in the market. Then you look at, well, how do we get them funded? Uh, you've, you've got traditional economic uh, models in the, in the uh, system that are, well, let's say they're, they're uh, not resistant to change, but they're not encouraging change because it's been built through an old model. So let's look to getting venture capital or something from outside of Africa. And you go, you take a, a a great concept that's vetted well and wonderful. And you, you go to the United States, you say, look, I've got this great concept. All we need is $100,000 US and we'll have runway for a year or more. And the venture capitalists say, oh, that's, that's too small of a ticket for us. But in the back of their mind, they're saying, well, Africa's an exotic market. Don't really know that much about it. And even though the concept sounds great, it's so far away and we don't really know. And, you know, do we, do we risk a hundred thousand? It's hardly worth the, the, the effort, the due diligence, et cetera. So there's all of these challenges. So angel investing becomes the most important avenue for these startups to, to gain. And, and I'm talking primarily local uh, angel investing and through personal experience, it's, it's a hard sell. And, Again, not begrudging any of the players. Everybody's got you know their own great motivations for doing business the way they are. But in order for insurance to grow in Africa, confidence and appreciation of what insurance products can do for the population in large has to also grow. So it, it's it's going to take. I hate to say it's going to take time because that just sounds such a weak answer. It's going to take some uh, visionaries who've got, you know, a little bit of money to show some successes. And there have been many successes in the African market, but not to the point where we've gotten to a tipping point of people saying, yes, insurance is a great thing. You know, it, if you buy a car, does the car dealer say, yep, yeah, now, now let's get a, a 
auto insurance, motor insurance for you, or if you have a, a house or a business, is insurance on the forefront of your mind? Just typically it's not. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a groundswell that has to happen. And it's got to happen from inside the continent for it really to be uh, something that's going to go. And, and how do I encourage that? Well, you two would know that far better than I. Uh, but I, I know that that's, that's the, where the basis is. It's got to be a homegrown success that, you know, you're not going to get a Sequoia Capital out of Lagos because that's just not necessarily a thing. But can you get people with, you know, 10, 20 million Naira who can pitch in and say, look, yeah, this is a good thing. And, and I'm going to help my country out and help the economy. That, that's where we have to start from. Hi, and I hope you did enjoy that conversation. Quite interesting one. Do ensure that you continue to listen to our podcast and share as well with your colleagues and friends uh, future episodes and even previous ones on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on every platform that you get your podcasts. Right, and also don't forget to join the conversation on all of our social media platforms. You might have comments, reviews, as well as questions. Please do share on our LinkedIn page, on our Twitter page, as well as remember to follow us.